On today's show, I talked to former columnist and reporter at the Windsor Star and the current counselor for the town of Essex, Chris Vanderdolen, joins me live. Welcome to the Sunday Night Army. I'm your host, Jacob, and today I get very local here on the show because there is an issue I want to talk about that is actually very local. But before we get to that, find me everywhere on every podcast streaming platform. Just search the Sunday Night Army and you'll find me. Just follow, subscribe, share with your friends, share with your mom, grandma, whatever. Listen to it. Find me on all social media at the Sunday Night Army, except Twitter. Twitter's weird at Sunday Night Army. And if you don't want to do any of that, check out my link tree. All the links will be there. You can find me on every single streaming platform worldwide for podcasts. There you go. Now, that out of the way, today's episode is going to um, center around um, an issue we have here locally. And that issue being an old building, which is a schoolhouse, and there's a part of the community that wants it saved and restored, and there's a part of the community that wants it sold and repurposed for commercial reasons. So to make a case for that, very shortly, as you heard in the intro, Chris Vanderdolen, current counselor for the town of Essex, will join me to talk about uh, his point of view and his idea and what uh, should be done with the area. And we'll cover a lot of different topics like Airbnbs, a little history on Colchester. So quite a few things to go through. And I'll have some opinions of my own on all of this. One, because I live in the town. Close to it anyway. And I've been in the tourism industry for a long time myself. And I've been on the outside looking in for also a very long time. And once you're in it, you don't always escape it. You keep track because, uh, as I'll mention in the interview, it's my, my job at one point was to promote the area. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. Right now, let's get to the interview. So right now, I'd like to welcome uh, the former columnist and reporter at the Windsor Star and currently a counselor for the town of Essex, Chris Vanderdolen. Welcome to the Sunday Night Army, sir. How do you do, Jacob? I'm doing really well. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to me today. Uh, there's, there's a main reason as I wanted you to, uh, to have you on the show talk to me because uh, in our community, there is an issue that's been brought up and it's receiving a lot of attention online. And you seem to be uh, very detailed in your explanations. And I don't think it, it translates to a lot of people the way I think we, we want it to translate when it's written down on Facebook, for example. Um, for, okay. for, th- for those that don't know, we're talking about a, a development in our community, uh, as, as our main topic will be today. So, Chris, can you uh, kind of give me the background um, on uh, this actual development? Uh, because I've had a chance to follow this online uh, recently uh, and look for some more information. But as a neutral party in this, and that, that's just, you know, I have my opinions, but we'll save those for later on in the, in, in the show. Give me a little bit of background on this issue of what the, the schoolhouse is 
and uh, how it's how sure. it got into the city's hands, the town's hands, mm-hmm. and the actual plan that's been proposed. Well, first of all, you have to understand that that uh, Essex is a is kind of an odd an odd municipality. We were cobbled together kind of with the leftovers of other nearby towns. So we actually have four uh, four centers: the the yes. old town of Essex. We have Harrow, McGregor, and Colchester, which is like a, a former village. It's a really cool little uh, uh, old fishing village on the on the north shore of Lake Erie, in a natural little harbor. Uh, it, it was a commercial uh, fishing village in the 1800s, and uh, through most of the 1900s, it was uh, it was a, a summer resort town. And uh, but anyway, there was a, a, a one room schoolhouse uh, right almost in the center of the old town. It was built in the 1870s, I think uh, 1880s, and uh, it was in use into the 60s. It was added on to with several 1950s ugly uh, additions. Mm-hmm. most of which have since been torn down and it sits on a couple of acres two acres of land the town bought it 10 years ago because uh the, the town uh the, the people in the community were were sort of angered at at the way it was being used uh there was a horse being stabled in it and it was kind of a mess and and people were unhappy about it and and the town was urged to purchase it to, to save the schoolhouse and to prevent the problems that were going on there. So, so the town did. Uh, I, I, I was still a columnist at the Windsor Star at the time, and living here in Essex. And I remember reading and say, thinking, what, what a waste of money. They're spending a half million bucks on that old dump. Because it's a, you know, it's a 140-year-old brick building that's falling mm-hmm. down. It's got ugly additions, and it's really not very attractive. But anyway, the town has had it all this time. And we've been hoping that we could uh, redevelop it somehow and save the building. I personally, I wouldn't save it. I don't think it's worth it. But most other people think it's worth saving. So um, last year, uh, last year we we happened to to sell a piece of surplus land. By the way, municipalities have so many pieces of property that sometimes the the inventory builds up and you don't really realize it. And then finally, you have to clean. It's like cleaning up the basement. Mm-hmm. So uh, last year, council decided, you know, we really should get rid of some of these surplus properties that we're not doing anything with and we don't have any, any future plans for. And we instructed our staff, if you could find any, any buyers who want any of our surplus properties, let us know. Well, in, in December, our development officer, uh, Nelson Silviera, came to us and said, uh, we've got people interested in, in buying that schoolhouse. Uh, they're interested in, in turning it into a hotel property. And that sort of set off alarm bells in our heads because a hotel is what Essex has been desperate to acquire for many, many years. We have no, no hotel space anywhere. We don't have a hotel in Essex, Essex Center. We don't have one in Harrow. We don't have, there's been all kinds of plans that have fallen through in Harrow and we don't have one in Colchester. So if somebody, was willing to take the old schoolhouse off our hands and build the hotel. We thought, well, hooray, this is great. Talk mm-hmm. about win-win. So uh, we authorized staff to go and start negotiating. And then we started the, the legal process to, uh, to uh, sell the surplus property, which meant advertising in the local papers. And there's a process under the Ontario Municipal right. Act. There's a process you have to go through. All towns have to go through it. There's no deviation. It's, set, it's nailed down the rules because there's been so much hanky-panky over the last 
70 years over such things that they have to bring in hard and fast rules. So we have followed those rules. So uh, it turns out that the, the people who are interested in buying the property live right next door in Kingsville and uh, they're developers and investors, business guys, and they own the, the Grove Hotel in mm -hmm. Kingsville, which is to be a 160 year old building that was uh, restored and rejuvenated by these guys. And their plan is to rejuvenate and restore, completely restore the Colchester schoolhouse to its former glory, uh, which is almost too good to be true. I mean, if, if we, if the town tried to do it ourselves, well, like your average little house on the market these days costs about a half a million bucks. Yes. To restore that would be at least a million. And when government does anything, it costs twice as much. So exactly. you're looking at 1.5, $2 million. So, and these people were willing to spend $2.3 million of their own money, restore, like pay us out more than we paid for the building, which is terrific. I can't tell you how much they've offered because that's an in-camera no, item. That's for sure, yep. But they've offered to pay us more than we paid for the building and restore it to to our standards that, that we would set and they're going to invest uh, uh, more money to build uh, 15 rentable units that would be part of the Grove Hotel mm -hmm. and it would all be booked out of the Grove Hotel. So if you called the Grove, say from Toronto and say, I want to come visit uh, Kingsville and Essex, they'd say, oh, do you want to stay uh, in Kingsville or do you want to stay in our Colchester unit? So mm -hmm. that's what uh, that's what their plan was. And uh, all of council, uh, when we first heard about this, was uh, pretty happy about it. But uh, after a break we, in here we, first, uh, now, now was this December sure. of 2020 or 2019? Uh, yeah, November, December, yeah. Of last year? Yeah, correct. Okay. So, uh, so we authorized staff to go ahead and start negotiating uh, a potential sale and uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, people started pamphleting Colchester and got angry, you know, save our school. I, I, mm -hmm. We thought we were saving the school. And, uh, and a lot of opposition to the whole project came up. Mm -hmm. Now, it's also worth noting that th this isn't out of the blue. The, the town has spent like 20 to 30 years analyzing itself and, and all municipalities do this. We analyze what's our plan, what's our strategy, where are we going, what do we want? And it's all codified, actually, in, in an official plan and a strategic plan. We, we, we reaffirmed our strategic plan just last year. And the strategic plan, all of this, by the way, is available on, on the, the town's website, essex.ca. Mm -hmm. So our plan has, always, has been for a quarter of a century to expand our tourism industry because tourism is a very high job generator. It's a high tax generator. It's not dirty. It's fun. Uh, it, it makes your, your, your community a better place to live generally. And uh, so we decided we, we want some of this tourism thing. It's, it's one of the biggest, fastest growing industries on earth. So uh, almost all the towns around here have agreed the same thing. We need more tourism. And we decided that Colchester was the best place where it was kind of the linchpin of this effort because it's the oldest, it's the most, it's the most pretty. And we have a, a, a federally owned marina, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, harbor. We have the town-owned marina. We just spent millions of dollars building a new park downtown. We have a fabulous beach. Uh, so we, this is this is the center of our of our tourism uh, push. Mm -hmm. Also, it's right in the middle of our wine region. You know, as a lot of people know, we have 22 very good wineries in uh, Essex County, and of those 22, nine of them are in my ward three in the town of Essex, mm -hmm. and they're all around Colchester. 
And there's a huge demand for people to come and stay in Colchester. Even though there's no hotel, people want to stay there. And because there's such a demand, Airbnb has caught on to this. There are now 30 Airbnbs in the little village of Colchester, which only has, uh, I, I don't know, 120 homes, 800, 800 uh, yeah, residents. Not a, not a lot, yeah. Now, 30 of those homes are Airbnbs. Mm -hmm. Almost every house that goes for sale is snapped up by uh, offshore investors and a number mm -hmm. of companies from Toronto who start Airbnbs because people are desperate to come and stay in Colchester and, That's right. and enjoy this, this tourist gem. Mm -hmm. It's very unspoiled. It's terrific. Now, now so Chris, this, to us, Chris, this, this we off get all the bit, boxes. Yeah, before we get a little bit too far in that, now what, what is what is the schoolhouse building doing right now? What's what's how what's happening there? It's empty. It's just it's empty, just sitting there, and it's been like that it's for empty. yeah. 10 sometimes, years. occasionally there's a meeting held. We, I mm -hmm. think we have to spend one hundred and twenty-five thousand bucks replacing the roof because it was starting to cave in and rot. Mm -hmm. You got to have if you want to save a building, you got to keep the roof sound. Yes, absolutely um, maintained annually. You tore off. Yeah, we tore yeah. off some of the 1950s editions. Uh, so there's just one ugly edition still left on it. Uh, it's a two acre site. There's a, like a community garden on, on the site, you know, mm -hmm. sort of little boxed plots. Yep. But um, what, what generally, you know, those, those community garden things for people who live in apartments, this is right in the middle of an area where people have million dollar homes and fabulous lots on right. and half an acre of, right on the water. Most people have gardens in their own property. So it's, a community garden in a, yeah. in a farming so, town isn't really yeah no i understand that totally get no, it. um there's now, no there's no apartments there that's true there isn't it's everybody you know it's mainly homes and there is quite spacious land wise and, and comparing that to a town like windsor for example where you don't have property sizes it's it's quite unique because you'd have a lot of land and uh your homes are on big uh, parcels of land now you mentioned Airbnbs, and I want to get to those in a little bit because I have a concern about that also. Now, so the plan now uh, was to build this hotel or whatever uh, on top of and include this building that's structurally there already. So maintaining what there is structurally and adding to it, making it a sort of a cohesive unit and benefiting the space around it is that correct well no the, the the most of the rooms would be uh standalone little cottages oh, okay. there was going to be i think it was 14 or 15 standalone little cottages of uh I, I don't know how many 400 600 square feet each like self-contained you know shower bathroom kitchen kitchenette okay, kind of thing okay and they'd all be arranged arranged kind of in an arc around the schoolhouse and the schoolhouse would be kind of the central gathering place uh clubhouse like you could rent you could rent the whole thing you know and and, and mm -hmm. have a family reunion there it had a fire pit outside like a, a mini uh, resort area yeah okay. exactly yeah. oh that's, and that's it would be cool yeah and you'd be able to see the lake it's not right on the water it's across mm -hmm. the street and it was it's like a three minute walk down to the beach and the and the marina and a couple of restaurants and, and bars mm -hmm. so we had a very similar uh, 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 investment last year when a guy uh, in, erected three little rental units um, right on the main street. He, we gave him approval to build five, and uh, money was a little tight, so and the COVID thing hit, so he only built three. Apparently, they were rented all summer, mm -hmm. and uh, I hope he's building the next two. 
they're very colorful. They look like like little fishing village uh, cottages. You know, one's pink, one's yellow, one's green. They're beautiful. And there was no reported trouble out of those things. You know, people rented them and it was fine. And, and by the way, Colchester for 100 years has been a rental community. Yes. I've talked to people who back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, their families would go out every summer and rent a cottage. And half the half the buildings in town were actually rental units that were rented out by the week or by the month for, as cottages. That's right. So it's not as though we're imposing something new and weird on Colchester. This is mm-hmm. a return to its roots. Mm-hmm. And I agree because I'm on a beach road myself and it's exactly the same thing. Cottage rentals and it's been around like that for years. And what is yeah. the major complaint that you get from the, com- the the most vocal complaint that you get in the community right now about this issue? We don't want it. We don't like it. We don't want it. Go away. <laughs> is there any specifics that they, they tell you there's any particular reasons they wouldn't want that in their community? Oh, they're, they're numerous. Uh, but from, logistical uh, wise, maybe anything specifically like that would make actual sense. Because just saying I don't want it is not really. That would make sense. <laughs> um, well, there there probably will be noise. You know, people mm-hmm. make noise. But yes, the people living there make noise too. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, they have they have summer parties. I I spend a lot of time in Colchester. I'm there at least once a week. And when the summer is fine, I'm there, sometimes there two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people, people enjoy their property. They enjoy the water. They have a party. There's music. And, uh, and that's the main reason they don't, want, they don't want tourists coming in and disturbing their peace. And for anyone who knows the history of Colchester, this is kind of ironic because Colchester has been a, was actually quite a wild place in the 60s and 70s. Uh, I mean, it was, it was actually a biker haven. It still is to some extent. So for people to, to claim that it's some sort of uh, sleepy little enclave of, of elderly playing lawn bowling is <laughs> kind of ridiculous. It, it's always been a party town. And, uh, but right. their, their concern was there's going to be noise. And a lot of the people who live next to the Airbnbs are furious with them and don't like them because the people who rent the Airbnbs are generally from out of town and don't give a rat's behind what the exactly. locals think mm-hmm. and, and have parties to make noise. That's right. And I, um, I, let's touch on those Airbnbs because um, so I, I myself come back from, come from a tourism background, um, obviously, and Airbnbs is a new type of uh, rental capacity that is uh, popping up everywhere because it's, um, very convenient. It's a very convenient tourism opportunity to just go somewhere and rent somebody's property for a weekend or so. We, if you think about it, we've been doing that ourselves. Let's say if we ever went down to Florida but and we do that there. Now it's called Airbnb, specific brand, and it's happening now. Now, you just mentioned a great point because what's the difference between Airbnb and somebody doing a cottage rental? It's exactly the same thing. It's just called something different. It's still strangers coming into your neighborhood, now coming into a house that looks like a regular typical house and you're circling, cycling in strangers into your neighborhood, into a property that you don't even know is a rental. You might not even know it's an Airbnb. Now, when you compare that to having something like this proposal that is a, it's in plain view, a rental property, and you know there's going to be people cycling in and out of that. I think that's the main difference that people need to understand between Airbnbs and this uh, upcoming project. What do you think? Well, you know, Airbnbs aren't just uh, another way to stay. It's a disruptive 
technology and it's mm-hmm. explosive it's like it's like what what the internet was the newspapers or what, what facebook was was like the private clubs or uber is to, to, to taxis mm-hmm. airbnb blew up the world's uh, hotel industry like yes. boom the whole the world's hotel industry is worth a quarter of what it was before airbnb uh, came along and that's because governments had horribly overtaxed the hospitality industry Extremely. and every hotel was turned into a cash cow for governments uh, you know, if you went went to a hotel and paid one hundred and eighty nine dollars a night, probably eighty nine dollars of that was tax, if not a uh-huh. hundred. And so, Airbnbs was an instant way around the government greed on taxes, and so people could buy a house. And that's another thing: like housing is now the only really safe housing and property, the only really safe investment. So, if you're an investor with a few million dollars to play with, for sure you're going to hedge your bets and invest. In, in property, a bunch of your, your assets. And so you've got all these millionaires in Toronto who are buying stuff wherever they can. You know, you read, you see in the media and on TMZ and all that, all these rich, you know, Hollywood types, they've got a house here and a house here and a house there. Mm-hmm. They're not just houses to live in, they're investments. They're, that's their investment portfolio. Exactly. And so that's Airbnb is, is an investment portfolio and a disruptive factor blowing up the hotel industry. So that's why it's so powerful. And local governments have no power over them. Just like, uh, you know, we, uh, just like the federal government dump, dump the, the cannabis grow ops in our laps and mm-hmm. give us any power to, to manage them. The Airbnbs, it's legal and we can't touch them. Right. I mean, if it's another Not company based they, off work. If they figure out how to tax it better, I'm sure um, that'll, uh, that'll turn around eventually. Uh, as, uh, okay, well, that's what they're working on. Yeah. That's what they're working on. Now... <laughs> Chris, question back to the schoolhouse for a second, because I know everybody who listening to the show is going to be screaming uh, at you and I right now, because the schoolhouse itself, we haven't looked at one, um, the other side of this. Let's look at that for now, uh, for a second here. Sure. Uh, the, for those that are screaming extremely loudly online to save this building, okay, to, to uh, restore and save it. Now, Personally, I have an opinion on it, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, how much cost would a city or the town incur annually to one, first to restore it to, to where it's supposed to be? And two, on an, how would it benefit the town to restore it and keep it and just leave it there as a landmark? Well, it would be a very expensive landmark. Uh, We've already got somewhere between five hundred and seven thousand dollars sunk in it when we bought it. We had to put the roof on. We had to tear part of it down. We've got a lot of management time that goes in annually. Uh, we've got two acres of prime property which generates no taxes. That's a cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, a cost of our an opportunity cost. Um, we've already got like nine community centers in town. We don't need a tenth one, and we've got a community center just a couple hundred feet away on the same street. Hmm. Why would we want a second community center in a town of 800 people? It doesn't that's, make that's any a sense. Good point. And, and, you know, government employees are very, very expensive, as is any sort of government restoration project. So we'd probably end up spending another million and a half, two million on the building. Now we're way over two million. We've got sunk in it. We get no taxes out of it. And then we'd have to spend, I don't know, $200,000 a year managing it. We'd have to insure it. We've got to staff it. Uh, and we don't even need a community center there because we got one down the street. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons why we we should not be keeping this. Saving it, sure, but if someone else is willing to pay to save it, let them do it. 
because we don't have enough money to even do our basic job right now. Our basic job is, is roads, water, infrastructure. I mean, if you wanted to sink two and a half million dollars into something, it should be getting broadband to the back roads so people have decent internet. Oh, 100% you know, agree. Not, not, you know, not, not creating a hobby lot for some people with million dollar homes so they can have a garden uh, across the street with their friends. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. It, it's not fair. It's a, it's a bad use of money and resources. That, that's true. You, you hit that on the nail right there. It is a lot of resources. Now, from a, from a tourism perspective, we're going to swing back around to the tourism part because uh, I myself spent a lot of time in the tourism industry. And in, in four years of that, we're invested in promoting this area myself. And let me tell you from personal experience, it's really hard to sell somebody coming over from Michigan yeah, you can sell them the wineries, you can sell them the restaurants, you can sell them on the sites, but it's really hard to sell somebody to come over and look at a building. Well, that's, that's <laughs> the other thing. You know, I, I said that some people think this building is a gem. I don't. You know, there, there are only a couple of buildings, I, in my view, worth saving in, in the town of Essex. You know, the Carnegie Library, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, a couple of the old banks on the main street in the Essex Center. But you know, this is, it's, it's a very sad old building. It's not, it's not suitable for anything. Like, like the world has changed. It's not the right size. That's you know, true. we can't put in accessible bathrooms in it. There's all kinds of things, new rules that don't, that this thing was built in another age. It doesn't exactly. apply to, to the floor. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, it's nice. It's nice to look at it. It's nice to see. And the best way to look at it and see it is to have somebody else pay to restore it, which is That's what true. this proposal would have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we have to spend all of all of our own town money doing it, that means 15 to 20 roads that don't get repaved that desperately need repaving right now. We have a lot of bad roads. That's job one for us. We should be doing that first before we turn to this this uh, you know this this, this frill this this hobby project. Mm-hmm. And, and I see, I definitely see your point. And I've been reading a lot of. Um, the comments on social media and a lot of people write letters and, uh, and, and things like that. And they like to post it and share their information, whatever they think with others. Now, I think what in in this case, especially we have to understand that this might actually benefit the whole town instead of just a very few vocal people who just will talk about it now, but what if you do save it? And then, Hey, we saved it. And then you move on and do their own thing and not worry about the consequences. But I think we have to look at the pros and cons of every situation. I think the pros outweigh the cons extremely. If you really look at it from how you want to continue investing and building the community in the future, what do you think about that? Well, you brought a good point up there about, about benefiting the whole town. Now, almost all the, the email and communication that I got were from people who live within like 500 feet or 700 feet of mm-hmm. that building. But if you live any further than that, most people don't care about the school one way or another. They don't care what it's used for, how it's sold. Just don't, don't raise my taxes. Don't cost me any money. So it's really a small group. That's a good point. And that small group <laughs> says, they, they say, well, we get to decide what happens on our street. Well, no, that's not the way Canadian municipal law works. I don't get to, to decide what happens on the Arner town line where I live. The mm-hmm. whole town decides that. That's right. The whole town gets to decide what happens at Colchester and McGregor and Harrow. That's the way our, our corporation is set up. We don't decide street by street. Like you, you aren't a little, uh, 
protected enclave, your little group of friends on your street. That's that's we can't run anything that way. We've We've got hundreds of streets. We can't have hundreds of little towns operating independently. We have to have overall plans and overall standards. And that's what we're doing here. That's right. And I think what we need in the future uh, is more open dialogue. And I'm sure I, I would love to have you back on the show to talk about media, but I, <laughs> the actual state of the media. But I think oh, what, what we need... i that. I know, me too. Uh, but I, I think what we need more is more dialogue, more open dialogue. And I know this the city... Uh, the town of Essex puts out a lot of information online. Not everybody wants to go and read all that. Um, so I think yeah. maybe someone, some in the media and some representing the community would be a little bit more responsible in putting out the exact details of the plan more, maybe earlier. I don't know. That's, that's just what I'm you thinking since it would be out there. You just reminded me when you asked earlier, you know, what's their main complaint? Their main complaint mm-hmm. seems to be there's no transparency. There's not enough transparency. Well, no, we've, we've done everything completely transparently, but there's a lot of willful blindness on the people, on the part of the people who weren't paying attention to what we were doing. We did all of this in public, all of it in the open, and they didn't notice, the media didn't report, and now they're saying that we were trying to hide something. No, they weren't looking. Mm-hmm. The town is not, not conducting its business any differently than it always has been. So. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. And with that, I think we uh, hopefully we encouraged uh, more people to have a conversation about this. Hope uh, everybody learned a little bit something out of this, how this impacts the entire community. And uh, Chris, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking to me today. It was great talking to you again, Jacob. Take care.